The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. God never intended man to lose the freedom that we've lost. It's the code written in nature. It's the principle of freedom. God in all his power, all his might, and even in his flurry and anger, we're not contradict free will. From that free will flows that principle that his desire for us is to be in freedom. June 25th, 1989, Our Lady tells us, I was with Ivanka. I marveled at the message. Because it's Satan who wants to take away your freedom. And Ivanka revealed to us, Satan has special plans to enslave you through materialism. He is active in this plan. It was a warning. Here we're coming in 1989 to the 90s, the 2000s, and look at us. We're being choked. We lose our freedom by man's choice. It's not God's intention. God's way is small, self-governing communities. The closer the government to your, your life, 
the more freedom you have. Generally, your neighbor will want to do the same things and have the same rights you have, freedom. When somebody's ruling you way off in a distance, they need to feed themselves in that power. And so we shouldn't be looking at Europe and what the problems are. We should be able to govern our own. Our own affairs in the sense that we can make judgments, we can make the best decisions, we know what's best for us to grow in a yard, trees, if we need to take them down. We know what's best that if we won't buy our freedom to take that down. You can't even take it down your own tree in most neighborhoods now. And most people have consented to that because we've grown dumb. Well, for the sake of ecology. Ecology is not God. God is God. Ecology is what God made. We are having and to have domain over it. It is not to have domain over us. And so now, because we are enslaved in materialism, we're having to look at France, or rather, not France, but Europe, Germany, all these countries to see what's happening over there because we've been enslaved to the system that ties us way over here in our little corner of the world, our little subdivision, our little plot of land, wherever you may be, to people over there on the other side of the world because what they do now affects us. God didn't want it to be that integrated. The, the evil one does. The Antichrist does. That's his whole plan. Integrate the whole world. You can't be in control of what you either buy nor sell without the mark of the beast unless everything's integrated. We should always be fighting integration. And that way when one part gets sick, the next won't. But we're so integrated now that when one part's sick, the other side's sick. And so it is what we have on a report from Chuck Berry that John will read is just really about that. What's going on in the rest of the world affects us. When I was a kid, we talked about if I dug a hole right here in the ground and often we'd have a show of playing in the dirt. I can remember probably five, six years old. What would we hit if we, if we dug down right through here? It's China. So I didn't care what was going on in China at that time. But I'm care about now what's going on in China. And you have to care what's going on in China because it affects you. I'm in Hong Kong, one of the several stops on an Asian business trip. The city is not only vibrant and beautiful, it's a global financial hub where everything is expensive except the free Wi-Fi. Earlier, while walking along bustling streets in the shopping district, I was surprised to see something that would be extraordinary, even in the affluent U.S., Jewelry stores packed to overflowing with buyers from mainland China competing to see who could push to the counter fastest to make a purchase. This was not the casual, just-looking type of shopping that you see in the typical mall jewelry store. The crowd was in a fevered rush to buy, 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 the likes of which you only see with last-minute shoppers on Christmas Eve, and even then, never in an expensive jewelry store. Before you assume these visitors from China had all gone mad with materialism, let me explain. It turns out the frenzy was driven by a drop in the price of gold. These shoppers, none of whom gave the appearance of being rich, were adding to their gold supply in the form of usable jewelry. It was a street-level indication of the disposable income and savvy investment mentality of the average citizen in communist China, where personal savings rates are estimated to be between 
25 to 40 percent of income. These people weren't spending foolishly. They were building inflation-proof assets in preparation for dark times ahead. Being in Asia while the debt crisis unfolds has given me a different perspective of America's economic problems. Most people here believe that if the United States and the European Union don't fix their debt problems, the rest of the world will be impacted as well by a global financial collapse. I was talking the other day with a group of Christian business leaders here. They were well aware that the Bible teaches us to avoid excessive debt, and they wanted to know what happened to our nation. Why does America no longer follow God's financial principles? Their simple question really got to me. It seems our out-of-control debt problem not only threatens them financially, but spiritually as well. What are we telling the body of Christ here about the way we value God and His principles? It was painful to try to explain our present dilemma. Frankly, I couldn't. I asked them to pray that America would repent. I told them America needs revival more than recovery. Rusty Leonard of Stewardship Partners wrote a sobering commentary on the West's unsuccessful attempt last month to solve the debt crisis. He writes, All the key finance ministers and central bankers met in Washington, D.C. What became clear was that no credible plan to solve Europe's sovereign debt and banking solvency has coalesced yet. While U.S. and Asian leaders, as well as the IMF, all spoke in the most blunt and alarming terms in a desperate attempt to persuade the European leaders to get engaged immediately to resolve these issues, nothing but vague promises of future action were made. It is hard to imagine the U.S. Treasury Secretary speaking as candidly as he did unless he viewed the situation as very, very serious. Gethner urged Europe to put in place a huge bailout fund in order to avoid cascading default, bank runs, and catastrophic risk. It is increasingly clear that unless the United States and Europe get their debt problem under control, we are headed for serious trouble, sooner rather than later. What can you do? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Pray. Remain watchful of the world around you. And always be prepared. Isn't that interesting? That these bankers met and they wanted a solution and tell these Europeans that the thing that they have to do is bailout. That's their answer? Are they the bankers? Do they, do they going to loan more money? What's going to happen? What did Germany do for, and the other countries do for Greece? Bailed it out. And now Germany's in trouble. You can't buy debt. You can't bail out. Except you just push it further down the road. That's the term everybody's using. Kick the can further down the road. So where does it end? It ends in a crash. Both ways. Now or later. Sooner or later. Is it going to be sooner or is it going to be later? I'm convinced God's given us the later right now. Because we already should have been sooner crashed. So we're in default already. There's no reason for anything. You can't say. You can't, you can't give any evidence or any logical reason we should be sustained now, right now, the way we're going. It's impossible. 
except we're just coming up with these scenarios to push it further and further off. Everybody's got the interest. The president administration's got the interest to make it happen after the election, before the election is not good. Other people in it, the bankers, maybe they make more money. There's no way that the people in the know didn't know that this is going to happen. And there's people making money on the downfall and on the upfall or upcline. So they're not without knowledge of this situation. And so we go back to our lady telling us. She warned us this. She says, you must pray to understand the messages. And thank God I was of the mentality that no debt. Put Caritas with no debt. My business before that was with no debt. From, from, from teenager, no debt. Why? It didn't make sense to me. It was illogical to go borrow money. Why? Because it was greedy. And so people say, well, I'm in this situation, I got this. But what it is is blind. They, they were blind to their own greed. And the bankers were pushing this. Oh, you can have interest and why pay for it now? Just enjoy life. Get everything now. Of the old school, and I don't, I'm not from the Depression. I'm not from World War II. I'm from the 60s and the 70s. And no, I didn't join the hippies. I rejected them. Things they talked about, they knew to shut up when they got around me. I just called the police. I didn't mess with it even then, when I was 17, 15, 18. But the whole thing was enjoy life, get everything now. But the old school, which I believed in before my time, was you get married, you get your place, you pay for it, you pay as you go, and the, the number one goal is get your house paid for. My case, it was build as I go. Don't even incur debt. Took eight years to do it. But where did this principle go? It got lost in a, a hidden greed that we all adopted as a culture without realizing it because the bankers wanted you to borrow money. I remember in business, said, so why are you going to take your cash and you're going to go buy this machine? A banker friend told me this. When you could put this in the bank and borrow against it. I said, why do I want to do that? He said, we well, can write off your interest. Well, suppose I took my cash and bought the piece of equipment and I don't have no interest to write off. What's that going to do for me? He couldn't answer. <laughs> Stupid. Well, you get to write it off for the IRS. Well, suppose I don't write it off, and I owe, if I had $5,000 interest, I had to pay that off. And if I had to pay taxes, it's only $2,500. I'd rather pay the IRS $2,500 to pay $5,000 to the bank, and then I get to write it off for, from the IRS. It's a, it's a lie. It doesn't even make sense. Ain't got to happen goes in these amortization schedules and what they do. Read it. It'll make you mad at yourself because we're duped. And so we've fallen in this pattern that we get stuck and we get enslaved in materialism. And how do we get out? What's the answer? It's not a simple answer. We uh, do get a lot of letters, uh, people asking a lot of questions. And so uh, we've been trying the last several shows to try to address some of those things, some of the things that are more specific. But a letter that we just received the other day uh, from Beach Mountain, North Carolina, uh, she writes, Hi, I've been following uh, your Medjinomics for the past several months, and I enjoy I enjoyed the 100th anniversary broadcast. I also went to Medjugorje in 1987 and believe all that the Blessed Mother is telling us. However, I need some advice, and I won't hold you responsible for it. We live in the mountains of North Carolina with an elevation of 5,000 feet. We have steep land, less than one acre, and it snows during the winter. We have had our house up for sale for the past three years. I'm a realtor. But in this market, nothing is selling. 
We cannot move and do not have enough cash to pay it off. My question, should we buy land in a warmer climate like Tennessee with our cash to start preparing for the future, or should we pay off other bills we have like our two cars and stay put? My fear is that if we stay put, we cannot survive here, but how do we afford two places to live? Surely we would need to build a home on the land we bought. We do not know one thing about farming or gardening, as we both grew up in New Orleans and moved to North Carolina after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Is it too late? Where can we educate ourselves? So many questions and so confused. Started praying about what to do and also put the house or the sale of our home in God's hands, saying that if it is His will that we move, then He would bring us a buyer. Maybe God does not want us to move. We have three children, and I fear for them by us not being prepared. I know you said to pay off your bills, but if we do that, then we have no cash to buy land. We just don't know where to start. We would love to come by and see your community and how it works, as we have a few friends who would possibly get involved in making a small community, but we need your help and advice. Any help would be a blessing to us. Thank you and all you do to get Our Lady's messages out in the world. I pray a rosary every day for help and guidance. Thank you again. Frank, you there? Yes. You want to answer the financial side of that? Well, yes. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few things that are said there. Um, you know, when you say you don't know anything about farming or working the land, we didn't either when we moved out out of the city in 2005, and you just learn by doing it. And um, the children learn that, and it's a very joyful way of life. And uh, so that's not, that's not hard at all. And people usually tell me, and, and I agree with this, that uh, what a lot of people are doing is is that if they can pay off something and then um, get the payment, they'll pay off debt. So in other words, if you can pay off a car and you have a $500 car payment or something, then every month they'll buy $500 worth of silver. And uh, in that way, now if they can't pay it off, they'll say, instead of paying $10,000 off when I owe twenty. I'll buy $10,000 worth of silver, particularly this time of year, because silver seasonally is um, very strong going into the winter, and you might be able to pay it off in the spring. Um, you know, when the book was released, it was $17, and then last spring it was $50. So if you had bought in, uh, $17 silver in 2010, sold it at 50 you have, you know, about three times what you paid for it, and um, you actually have, if you had a $20,000 payment, for an example, you put $10,000 in, you pay off $20,000 car, and you got $10,000 worth of silver. So um, I believe that because silver's manipulated, inventories are dwindling down, it's only a matter of time that we're not going to be going up in a controlled fashion. The market's been very controlled over the years. It goes up steadily in a very controlled fashion. Um this is going to end in people that have invested in silver um, are going to be able to get a lot more purchasing power with their silver. 500 ounces bought a medium home, I think, for most of the history of the United States. I know about 800 ounces bought a medium home in 1980 uh, when silver went to $50 an ounce. So, you know, those are, are a couple things that I thought about. And then um, also silver so low that people also are considering lowering the price of their their asking price, knowing not how many how many dollars will I have in equity left over, 
but how much silver, you know, I can get a tremendous amount of silver, you know, 100, 200 ounces, 500 ounces. That's, you know, a lot of silver historically that, um, you know, could have tremendous purchasing power in the future. So, um, you know, those are, those are things to think about. And, uh, you know, even, um, you know, as you've told the story of really, really downsizing while you're looking for land or looking for a home and, uh, and saving money, you know, while you downsize. But if the house has been on the market three years, um, you know, the, uh, the price is probably too high. You know, that's my, my thing. If, you're, if, you're, if your house has been there for three solid years, you haven't sold it, it means you've priced it wrong. Okay, people get locked down just like Bianca said. Bianca told about enslaved to materialism, Satan's active in this plan, that you bought something that now is, the value of the house has dropped, so you owe more than what you could sell it for. I don't know what you, this, the person who asked this question, what their cash uh, reserve is, but if you have to drop the price to sell it, uh, do that because you're going to gain just on whatever you buy after that anyway. If you're going to be in debt there, you'd be just as well in debt at the next place. The goal is to get out of debt. The goal is not to get more debt, but to get to that point, you need to get where you can start maybe growing things and not be spending dollars for what you eat or whatever you can do on a plot of land and a house that is going to be less valuable too because the whole all houses down. So just take the loss, transfer that to another house, and then you've got a means to start working yourself out of debt. Now, that doesn't mean you just go ahead and buy something nice and equal. Buy a shack. Get land, get water on it. Buy a shack that you can fix up. So if, in other words, if you have a $200,000 house and you owe $160,000 on it, and the market to sell it is going to take taking say 130,000 so you lose $30,000 you can't do nothing with it as you are now eat it bite it take that transfer it first of all I'd go to the bank and say we can't pay this we don't we don't have the funds I mean we we're in a dire situation and we need to can you can you write some of this off or whatever we got to get out of this house we don't want to get foreclosure going in but what can you do to help us a good banker may be able to do something somebody's got a heart and they know what's going on in the industry. They may just say flat out no. But then you go to your second plan. Just take the loss to get it sold. Whatever you got to do, sell it. It's not doing you no good. Then buy something that needs repair, something you can move in, something that's got 10 acres land, whatever it is. Get that. And then after you've dumped the house just to get it to sell, and then you, you can start on getting out of debt and start your repairs and start a life. And your teacher is what you do. If you're carving wood and you hit a knot, it's going to teach you what you have to do to get around that knot. Usually make it part of the furnishings. I mean, that's how hard knots are. But always remember, when you approach something, you say, well, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to do this. It will teach you. I always tell people here, I don't know how to do that. Don't worry. It's a teacher. Just go out there and do that. If you don't fix the water leak right, it's going to leak. You'll know the next time how to fix it. Things, tasks that you take upon yourself is the teacher. It's the best apprenticeship you can go through, experience. And you'll learn better that way. And that's how I've always ever done everything and taught everybody here the same thing. Let it teach you. I don't want to hear nobody, I can't be done. It can be done. You just got to figure out the way. You say, I don't have the talent for it. You'll get the talent when you're hungry. 
You'll get the talent if you have starvation staring you in the face. And that's the problem. People don't have starvation staring in the face, so they're not taking these moves. Get out of that house. Take the loss in it. Do whatever you got to do. If, and again, the goal is to be out of debt. But if you're going to be in debt, would you rather be in debt on the mountain, on a hill, and snow, or in debt and where it's not snowing so much in the winter, where I think she said to move to Tennessee, somewhere around there. Was it Tennessee? And, and, and have a little plot of land, a little stream on it. Well, whatever, a little pond or something you can have and be at least have the means to grow your food. So it's not about whether you can get out of debt now because some people can't because they're enslaved in the system. But you can take steps to get toward nature, get toward that, get toward community and, and act. Don't wait. Our lady gave the message. Don't do not waste time. You're not its master's. You've got limited time to act. You just heard what this uh, reading Joan just gave. People are running about jewelry. These people are financially, you know why you know why they're doing that? These are peasants and people that don't have money. I think that's how it read. Was it peasants? People that's not in the, the huh? They just say they weren't wealthy people. They're not wealthy people. Why do they know that? Because they've been so close to the soil. They know what it means to be hungry. And we don't. And there's going to be a lot of wishful thinking and dreaming. What if I? You don't want to be saying, what if I? What you want to be saying is, thank God I did do the ifs and acted on them. What if I ain't going to get it? So uh, one last reading we got is really about this falls right in the pattern of what we're discussing. What exactly was going on in Nathaniel Hawthorne's head as he sat in the green seclusion of Sleepy Hollow and lost himself in contemplation? And how was it different from what was going through the minds of the city dwellers on that crowded, noisy train? A series of psychological studies over the past 20 years has revealed that after spending time in a quiet, rural setting, close to nature, people exhibit greater attentiveness, stronger memory, and generally improved cognition. Their brains become both calmer and sharper. The reason, according to attention restoration theory, is that when people aren't being bombarded by external stimuli, their brains can, in effect, relax. They no longer have to tax their working memories by processing a stream of bottom-up distractions. The resulting state of contemplativeness strengthens their ability to control their mind, the results of the most recent such study was published in Psycho Psychological Science at the end of 2008. A team of University of Michigan researchers, led by psychologist Mark Berman, recruited some three dozen people and subjected them to a rigorous and mentally fatiguing series of tests designed to measure the capacity of their working memory and their ability to exert top-down control over their attention. The subjects were then divided into two groups. Half of them spent about an hour walking through a secluded woodland park, and the other half spent an equal amount of time walking along busy downtown streets. Both groups then took the tests a second time. Spending time in the park, the researchers found significantly improved people's performance on the cognitive tests, indicating a substantial increase in attentiveness. Walking in the city, by contrast, led to no improvement in test results. The researchers then conducted a similar experiment with another set of people. Rather than taking walks between the rounds of testing, 
These subjects simply looked at photographs of either calm rural scenes or busy urban ones. The results were the same. The people who looked at pictures of nature scenes were able to exert substantially stronger control over their attention, while those who looked at city scenes showed no improvement in their attentiveness. In sum, concluded the researchers, simple and brief interactions with nature can produce marked increases in cognitive control. Spending time in the natural world seems to be of vital importance to effective cognitive functioning. Pretty good stuff. Amen. I don't have to say nothing else about it. It says what it says. It means what it is. Our lady says, go and have an encounter with nature. The Chinese people, they share their life with the land. They're fresh from it. They're coming into industrial age with their nation. And you've got the teacher of our lady telling you to go back to that. They're teachers of land, what they've come from, and look how they know what to do with the funds. And we, we don't. Just like I recommended the lady, be crafty. Get out of debt. But if you're going to be in debt, be on something that can transfer the same thing or take a loss and be a less valued house. Get into it, whatever you have to do. At least you can start at that point. You can always figure it out. Our lady said, through prayer you'll perceive the greatest joy of a way out of every situation that has no exit. You've got to exit up there in that mountain. Drop it till you sell it. Move. Take something less, something that needs repairs, but something that is mortgaged way down. If you have to add that excess mortgage to pay that off, if the bank won't release it, that's the first step. And then you can be in a place where you can start building your new life. Quicker than you think. God's always got a way. He's always got a solution. You just got to be thoughtful. You got to get at nature and think how to get there. Frank, how did they get a hold of you? You can call us toll-free. Um, our phone number is 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. We also have the website, globalsilverinvestors.com. Okay, so if you have any questions, just call Frank. And we're talking about silver. We're talking about buying the miraculous metal. Well, we're not buying anything. You're exchanging your funds for one-ounce piece rounds, the miraculous metal Medjugorje round for the conversion. If you read it, ain't going to happen. I don't want to go into details. You know the whole story about that. As for us now, uh, Riaz and Joan, let's get out in the field and go walking into nature. Goodbye. We wish you, we wish you, Our Lady. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. 
It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.